Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday. It's uh, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM on a sad, somber, really difficult uh, Monday. We welcome you to the program as we will be here for the next couple of hours. Um, kind of flying without a net here in the first part of the program. If you want to join the show, uh, you're welcome to do so with 2845966 because... I'm not speaking for Trent. He'll join here in a second. The last thing I think, at least to begin, we should do is, is sports because sports are so far on the back burner through this as we try and uh, find a way to all come together for the right cause. No D's, no R's. You have to all be A's. And I get and I understand that I don't have a leg to stand on it when it comes to speaking uh, to you. Uh, because my opinion doesn't matter and nor should it. But um, from an outsider's perspective, it, it's just so sad to see what is going on. And if this doesn't invoke change, nothing will. I mean, we've seen the Me Too, um, that change, that change was... I mean, you, you, the scales don't even balance up, and Me Too was was certainly something that needed to be changed. You know, some of the stuff your uncle or your grandfather would say that was okay to say in the 70s and the 80s, that necessitated change, and it had to happen. But that is nowhere near the change that we are going to be uh, hopefully going through. I mean, Ferguson was six years ago. What did we learn from Ferguson six years ago? This is, if this past weekend all around the country doesn't grip you like nothing else has before, um, then I don't know what will. I really and truly don't. I am saddened to see what is going on. Uh, But at the same time, I'm encouraged by a couple of things. Uh, Trent, the, the, and you saw downtown Des Moines last night in mm-hmm. front of the, uh, in front of the uh, police headquarters, the police kneeling down. That, sh- I believe he's a sheriff in Michigan, in Flint, Michigan. His last name, his name is Chris Watson, um, who was surrounded by protesters and he took off his helmet and they all put down their batons and he asked the protesters, what is it you would like us to do? And the crowd started chanting, I'm going to cry. Walk with us. Mm-hmm. Walk with us. And they started to walk together. It can happen. You can come together and beat this. And you have to. You have to. This is the greatest country in the world. In the world. And to see what's going on, and maybe this needed to happen to initiate Something that's way, way overdue. 1968 was a long time ago. A long time ago. And this is like nothing anybody has ever seen. And it's not left-wing. It's not right-wing. This needs to be A's. Americans, not Democrats. Don't point blame at anybody. Ask yourself what you could do to get through this because you have to. You're looked at. This country is looked at as the greatest country in the world. The, look at, I took American history in my curriculum in school 
Every country, most countries do that. Don't take Finnish history. You don't take Greek history. You take American history because everybody around the world knows that this country is the epitome. And you have to get back. And I want to hear how you can start going down that road to change because you have to change. And my opinion doesn't mean anything. Trent, yours does. No, your opinion certainly does matter. You've been... You've been in America for 30-some years. But you know what? If this was happening in Canada and there was outsiders telling me what, what your country needs to do better, I would tell them to get off. But you're an American. You, yeah. you are an American. You're not a voting American. You've been here long enough. You've seen this country. You've seen the great of this country. And you've also seen the bad that's come along with it. You've been here now, what, 32 years? 31. 31 years. You're one of us. There's no doubt about it. And, and to talk to you as we were before the show and just look around. I mentioned to you, I saw an article and it was from Germany and the front page and it was America's burning. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and no one that. in the world can believe this. No. And that's, no one. that's what it was. It was an article talking about all these different countries and, the, and how it was being portrayed and, and people being baffled that this is happening in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. This isn't a pocket. This isn't a city. No. This is across the country. It's happening here in our city, in Des Moines. It's happening in other pockets of our state. It's happening, obviously, and the biggest part is what's happening just to the north of us in the big city of Minneapolis mm -hmm. and what's going on. But it's not just there. This is across the country. There's a racial divide, Trent, and this has to, this, this, this has to be the impetus for change. This has to be it. I mean, what's next? What is, there's no other level that people could look at and say, you know, Ferguson was on this level. This is not entirely different, but there's one or two more before we get to that. But there can't be. Mm -hmm. There cannot be. Does there need to be? What needs to change? How can we change? Obviously, having the conversation, you're not going to change anything if you're putting blame on the other person. If you're a Democrat, you're going pointing blame on the radical right or vice versa. If you're a Republican, it's Antifa. Of course, they're part of it, but they can't be part of the cure of the of the get past this of the solution. What is it? It's talk. It's willingness to talk. And there's clearly people look if that choked you up watching that. Michigan police officer or watching here in our backyard as the protesters and the police took a knee together or you've seen throughout the country not enough but some protesters and police embracing in a hug in a moment where not only did the protester need to a hug but so did the police officer that gives me hope that gives me hope that there's enough of us enough of you that are willing to do what it takes, and it's not easy. It's not going to be easy, but you have to start somewhere. We all, we all have our own reality, and my reality, this is the part that I feel incredibly uncomfortable talking about race in general. Well, we have to. And we do. I grew up in the most Caucasian county in America, Mitchell County in north central Iowa. It has the highest per population percentage-wise of Caucasians, like 98.4%. I had no background. When I went to the University of Iowa, I had no background of minorities. Just, it wasn't anything that I dealt with. And I'm, but I'm willing to listen. And that's the part that I don't feel comfortable because my experience 
is completely different than most everybody is experiences and what they have gone through. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear and what can be done. I don't have all the answers. I have a microphone. We're here to talk sports, but today it's not about sports. Our conversation in the beginning isn't that because this is bigger. Bringing about change, finding a way for people coming together. You said it's not ours. It's not D's for Republicans and Democrats. It's A's for Americans. It has to be. I think it even goes deeper than that. P for people. Mm-hmm. We are people. This is somebody's son, mm-hmm. daughter. This is somebody's mom, dad. This, these are people. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that we learn to understand that. And take your own reality and open up your mind and listen and hear. And don't just look at the negative that you see from whatever angle you're coming at and look at that negative negative and glob on that. Instead, think of what their reality is, how different it is than your reality. And I think that's the part that can help beget some change and get to a level that we can heal as a country. This divisiveness, this has been going on now for years and the way mm. that it has continued it has escalated. And to this level, I thought an impossibility we would see something like this happen in our country. No. You, you hear these... But the fuse was lit. Yeah. And it, it needed to be lit. And it, here we are. Mm-hmm. So let's, instead of sweeping it under the carpet, letting it go, eh, it'll die off and in a week or two right. we'll be back we'll to be normal. Right back to normal. Let's not do that. No. Let's be better and I let's totally improve agree. this because it is a huge issue. And yep. if you're looking at this and you don't see what an issue that it is... It's part of the problem. Yeah, I just got to – I know this isn't the USA issue. This is a human issue. I get it doesn't matter what my birth certificate says. You don't think I care about this? I'm crying on the air. (sighs) Folks, I don't know what you have to do. I don't know what you can do. What can we do? The phone lines are open. Help us out. If you do want to call, though – and you're going to point blame at somebody else. You've got to keep your eye. Let's make this about sports, all right? Let's keep our eye on the ball. Let's keep our eye on the ball. Let's not point at that group. Let's not point at this group. The R's, the D's. Today, you're all A's. That's what we have to do. That's what you have to do. Don't be blaming one another. Look for an issue. You're taking your eye off the ball. By doing that, as soon as you do that, as soon as you do that, the conversation is totally changed from how we can make this better into who we can blame. The protests, for the most part, were incredibly peaceful. Mm-hmm. I love turning on the television yesterday morning, um, Saturday morning, and regardless if I was flipping from Fox to MSNBC or to CNN, repeatedly, those stations would show cleanup, citizens coming out of their homes and cleaning up after the carnage from the night before. That did the heart good. And the food that was, there were churches all around the country that people, I guess for whatever reason, they knew that this was a destination point, a place to come and to drop off items you know, food items or whatever they were. And that was so encouraging and heartwarming to see those moments that that showed me, yeah, you know what? This can change. This can happen, but it has to happen. This was as close to all out not civil war, but certainly civil unrest without a doubt. That's the word. That's the civil unrest like you've never, ever seen before. There's not another level. I don't think. I really don't think there is. 
This has to bring it about, and we've seen signs that it can be done. And the word hope is starting to make more appearances, whether it be on Twitter or wherever. Um, Hope is starting to be thrown out there. But you have to take, you can't be satisfied with hope. You know what? Just like when there's a, a, a shooting, thoughts and prayers. You know what? You have to take it up past thoughts and prayers. We have to take it up past hope. We have to do something other than hope. Well, I hope that this can work itself out. No, that's no longer good enough. You've seen what this can lead to. This ignited across the country. This ignited in Des Moines, Iowa. Did anyone think that this would happen in our backyard? Media market number 70. Media market number 70. Des Moines. And we saw it, and we saw it in a big, big way. Um, speaking of the coverage, of course, our colleague Keith Murphy, uh, seeing him, he's unbelievable on Friday night. It, you're absolutely right; he is unbelievable. I, I, I can't imagine. I wouldn't, I couldn't do something like that. And he was so good at it. Melody uh, Mercado, I watched a lot of Channel 13. Yeah, she was, I thought, incredible. A couple nights ago, where was she stationed? She was by. Well, later on, she was by. Um, the downtown area over by the courthouse and mm-hmm. uh, her the night before and just following her. And that's when this was first really the, the unrest was continuing and she's just out of college. Wow. She's because I looked her up. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen her do any work before and looked her up. She's she was hired back in October. Jeez. And now she's going through this no, and, and the job she did. I the, thought the locals were great. Trent. Yeah. The locals deserve the Bow with KCCI. Yes. Um, they they were they were fantastic. The Des Moines Register uh, has been all over this. I know that um, you know some of you you're not real high on the media. I absolutely understand it. I I get it. Um, but again, no R's, no D's. Let's all be A's. Let's let's work on solutions. And let's point, let's not point fingers. Let's not point finger pointing. Isn't going to get you through this. It's not. It is not. This has to be about what can we do. What can I do. I mean, we just went through a whole lot of change and a whole lot of different um, things that needed to be changed, right? Me Too needed to be changed. It was changed. It took a lot of people down with them, and it had to. This is the this is bigger than, I, I hate to say it, because I'm not minimizing those. I'm not minimizing those in one little iota. But... <sighs> This is the United States of America. Then this is this. You guys are looked up to, as Trent pointed out. That German newspaper. I'm assuming that this is newspapers from all over the world that can't believe that this is going on in a country that everyone around the world looks up to, and they do. Everybody, the American dream. And sadly, what's it sad about the American dream? I don't know what the American dream is. I get to live the American dream, but there's there's citizens. To don't get to, ch- to live the American dream. Think about that one. It's true. I don't know if it's economic. I don't know if it's training. Do, do the police need better training? I think probably. No, I think that they do. I mean, then you, then you see the autopsy report come out, Mr. Floyd's death, and there's mitigating circumstances as part of the autopsy report? Really? How about the fact that the officer's the, the knee was on his neck for eight minutes? Shouldn't that be start, stop there instead of putting, you know, another couple of things at the bottom? No. 
took a couple calls there, and uh, neither wanted to come on the air. But uh, the first one was somebody that you would say probably could have a bone to pick with the Des Moines Police Department, but they didn't want to go on the air because people probably would know their voice. But just wanted to say, here on the local level, if anybody would have something negative to say, you certainly would be figuring it would be this person. Mm-hmm. And said, Des Moines Police Department, they're trying. I think they're, they are. They're they're doing, in a city of our size, as well as you can, in terms of relations, mm-hmm. in terms of building, that community aspect. Des Moines is doing it certainly as well. And like mm-hmm. I said, this is somebody that could have a very negative picture when he identified who he was of the police department. But that wasn't the case. And the other one, which I think was really good, can you can have an opinion. This is America. Uh, no, I know. I get it. I get yeah. it. But I, I understand that. But if I wanted to have the ultimate opinion, I would take the test. And I just, I'm not an American. I believe you are what your birth certificate says you are. Um, I just do. Right or wrong. Yes, I, I absolutely. I want to use this microphone. But I want to hear from you as to how we can go about doing this. And, and I know I for do. a lot of people, and this is the same thing. It's one thing to call in. And you're mad at your team or you're mad at the other team. Right. You're pissed off and you want to bring it you, you want to freak out about the Hawks or the Cyclones. Yeah, that's easy. And this is a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I understand the people. And it that, needs to be difficult. Yeah. It, it should and, be difficult. And if you want to write to us, hit us up. Hit us up on Twitter. It you, will be difficult. Yes. And that's where we are. And that's what it needs to be because difficulty brings can bring about change. This isn't going to be an overnight fix. This isn't going to be an overnight fix. There's no way. You know what needs to be a thing of the past? You know, like all the other change and stuff that we that was once a part of things. You know what needs to be driving well black never needs to be uttered again. Mm-hmm. Okay, and don't kid yourself that that is not a. I mean, it's kind of like said in jest some way when somebody's pulling over. What was he pulled over? A DWB. Well, a DWB. What the hell's driving well black? I mean, look at the statistics for crying out loud. Uh, Justin, welcome to the program. Justin, thanks for coming on here. Uh, we appreciate it. What, uh, what do you want to share, Justin? Well, I just had like two points. One, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're lucky to live in Des Moines just because, you know, for the most part, we have so few incidents when it comes to police, you know, overstepping their boundaries. So, you know, even though I'm a white man, so I, I haven't had to deal with anything like that you know there hasn't been least much reported obviously i bet there has been some a few here and there but nowhere near especially down south where you know who knows what goes on down there Mm -hmm. and you know when it comes to like you know betting some of this with with the police yeah training would help but i mean they're gonna have to do some kind of psychological evaluation to like weed out people like there's ways that you can kind of decipher like who are racist and who are Mm -hmm. not like to some extent, to to better you know vent like out the, the people that should not be patrolling our streets. So right, know. like go back through social media feeds. I mean, I, I I I have to assume they're doing that now. That that's part of you know all background checks is to checking someone's social media from back. Because I, I believe Justin um, that if you have these, if you have racism in you, you've probably had it for. You know, he just didn't pick it up in the last little while. That's that, that's my point. Um, yeah, and and then also just here, you know, coworkers feel able to step up and speak out instead of like being afraid of losing their jobs or mm-hmm. you know or being reprimanded. So you know, just each person needs to be able to you know step up and 
point out, even if their person is, you know, have higher rank than them. Yeah. I agree, Justin. Thank you for the call. Be safe, and we'll get uh, we'll we'll bring this upon us. We will. Uh, the whole country has to, and I believe that they will. I truly believe, deep down inside, that that uh, that it's going to happen. It has to happen. Racism has to be removed from this country, and it's going to take a long time. Uh, it's going to take the the young generation because it won't be my generation that sees mm-hmm. this come to an end. It might not be your generation, Trent Condon, but it could be your kids clearly, and it could be, you know, twenty somethings. Um, I was encouraged by the peaceful protest during the days yesterday. Mm-hmm. I did. I was all across the country, uh, and then they turned violent, and that is not what. That that's taking your eye off the ball. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your eye on the ball. Don't point blame. Don't blame this group. Don't blame that group. Were they part of it? Absolutely they were. But in order to change, there can't be blame. There can't be blame. We have to all do it together. All races have to do it together. And to lump everybody together, protesters and rioters and looters, those are all different demographics we're talking about. Those are different people looking for different types of things. And for the business owners that were impacted, boy, you feel terrible oh for them. Oh, my God. Absolutely. What, what did we've they gone, do? I mean, the last two and a half, three months. All around the country. Open, yes. And all around, everywhere. Right back the other way. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not naive to think that there were outsiders at every one of these that mm-hmm. were causing that. Of course that there were. But we can't blame those people today. We have to root them out. But if we want to make sure there's more of us than there is of them. There is. Yeah. And we have to do it. Not them. Not those guys. Not those guys. Us guys. Us guys. We're going to get into sports whether we like to or not. Uh, this is sports and maybe maybe this, well, certainly not minimizing or forgetting about the surroundings or what is going on around us. Maybe this will be a little bit of a respite. I don't know. There's nothing to look. Well, when it happens to this, you turn to page chapter 8, page 97. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that. And this has kind of been our conversation now as it pertains to COVID from the start. We're not good at the extra stuff. We, we know our lane. Our lane is sports. And, and no politics. Yes. And, and that's where our conversation went today. We stayed away from politicizing this as a whole. Because we can't do it. No one should be politicizing this. No. You shouldn't be pointing fingers at this group or that group. Point fingers at you, at us. It's our group. Our group is bigger. Our group can kickstart this. What are we going to do? We have to talk. It's uncomfortable. The most difficult change starts with the most uncomfortable conversations for all of us. And we can do it. And the world has to see us do it. Have to get back there. You can. The American dream, the greatest, the greatest country in the world, and every country outside of this one looks at us that way. They do. They just do. Trust me. Look, I didn't come from an impoverished, impoverished nation. There was no civil unrest. There was no uh, genocide or anything like that. I came from a pretty good country. You know, on a scale of 10, Canada's a 9. But there was one step above that 9. And this is what you are, folks. This is what the United States is. You're the 10. You're the one that everybody wants to be or wants to live. Let's make it a 10 for everybody. Let's make it a 10 for everybody. Well, well said. Because sadly, some people that are born here, mm-hmm. 
The American dream? The American dream needs to be for every American. Yeah. And it's not. And we can change, and you have to, and it's going to be difficult conversation. And we're going to change the conversation. Uh, we'll save some time at the end of the show if we want to. If you want to readdress it, we're happy to do that. But right now, we'll take a time out. Scott Dockerman, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Doc was I know I couldn't talk to you about the Grant miniseries. No, not at all, not at all. I enjoyed that. Here's the thing about this. This is before it all hit, right? Uh, this hit the fan, and and I love this country, and I didn't know enough about like yes, we took American history in school, mm-hmm. but like every other course, I didn't pay attention. Sure, right? I just didn't. Did enough to get by. I did enough. To, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I was C's and D's, and that's good enough because I knew that eh, there was no secondary or no going on to college. We we didn't do that in Canada in my generation to begin with, for the most part. But when I when I see some of these historical things, and I hope it's accurate, yeah. Because I could take a test on Grant and pass at least his portion of Civil War history, I think. I want to learn about the country that I call home. And this was before this all happened. Yeah. So I was looking forward to talking to Scott Dockerman because I know he's this is his wheelhouse. And I know you didn't watch no, it. No, I didn't, no. And now I feel like I should. Oh, it's re- it was really well done. It's really well done. Um yeah, at least I thought it was. I'm going to pick Scott's brain about that. But also on the Big Ten. The Big 12 just came out and said that uh, they can uh, athletes be, can begin informal practice on June the 15th across the conference, which is um, headed in the right direction. But just when we get back to some things of normalcy, mm-hmm. don't forget this one thing, because this was anything but normal this past weekend. But let's make it normal in five, in two, in ten, whatever it's going to take. And it's going to take, it's going to be baby steps, but we're going to be all moving in the same direction. Follow that police officer in Michigan. That was, that was so powerful to me, Trent. I still, it brings tears to my eyes watching Chris Swanson take off his helmet, put down his baton, and get in the middle of the protesters and ask them what you want us to do, what you want me to do. Walk with us. Somebody started to chant. And then it got louder. Walk with us. Walk with us. And he raised his hand in the air and he told his guys, come on. And we can do that. We need to do that. 1460 KX and 0106.3. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. It's the Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. High school baseball and softball begins practice today. Certainly something needed. A little midnight uh, madness for a couple was of schools a couple last of schools. night. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was great. Um, we'll talk to uh, Rob Luther uh, coming up here at uh, 11 o'clock. Well-known high school football coach, principal as well. I'll get his thoughts on that Shrine Bowl. He was going to be the head coach of one of the two squads in that, and that was canceled this, uh, late last week. And then uh, we will do some Big 12 um, who we got coming on? Ben Kirchival. Ben Kirchival from CBSSports.com and a Texas guy Indeed. that keeps a close eye on the Big 12. Uh, so we'll do that at about 11.35. Right now, Scott Dockerman joins the program. Doc Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Scott Dockerman. How are you? 
I've got to click the button. Scott, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, guys. I hope uh, everything's well for you and as we start to. Yeah, uh, it's certainly a different weekend, Doc. You know, I want to start with you before we get into sports, because uh, I know that, that you were into this uh, miniseries uh, as well, as as was I. I learned a great deal from it. I did. Uh, how accurate was it, Doc? I mean, I know that you're you're into this. Uh, you're somewhat of an historian when it comes to, you know, certainly these uh, the, the world wars and I believe the Civil War. And uh, you watched Grant. How accurate in your mind was it? I thought it was pretty close. I thought there was it was really it really captured the spirit of uh, of what he was able to do in, in his life and and how much of a struggle that he went through. Uh, I mean, I thought that there was some a little bit more of uh, you know. I mean, I guess some of the things I would nitpick, and that's all that it really is, is just some of the the smallest details of you know. I would have liked to have seen more with his relationship with uh, uh, General Sherman. I thought. You know, there was a little bit more that could have been offered about his financial issues in the beginning, but really, it was pretty close. And I hope that people saw that and gave it a little bit more of a of a look, because you know he was really. He's, it's not that he was misunderstood, but he's largely been forgotten over the last, uh, you know, especially a hundred years. And I, I really would hope that this garners some interest and and puts him at his rightful place as one of the most influential uh, people in American history. Yeah, I think so too, Doc. That was, certainly was one of my bigger takeaways. And to your point, he was the guy on the $50 bill. That's, a, that's you know, as much as I really knew about him beforehand. Um, and, and I enjoyed it. I mean, even his, you know, um, his, his willingness to, to be a, a, a major principle in ending slavery for crying out loud. And that was, you know, one of the things that was, I thought very well brought out and chronicled uh, in this piece and his, his friendship with, with Abe Lincoln and um, you know, just getting the word the day that Lincoln was assassinated while he was, you know, well, well, Grant was leaving Washington and it had been in Washington. And I, I thought it was incredibly educational, Scott Dockerman, from someone who really had no background on Grant prior to. Yeah. Dean is kind of a, in some respects, up until the last 15 years or so, you know, rehabilitation of Robert E. Lee's character. Uh, he went from being considered a traitor in the 1860s to uh, being the, the, the leader of the South and a lot of cases, you know, whitewashing uh, his legacy up until, you know, really the last 15 to 20 years, whereas Green has largely been forgotten in his role of, of you know, not only ending slavery, but taking the fight to Lee. Uh, I don't know that people understand how inept the Union leadership was in the East. Up until Grant getting there, I mean, it really, Gettysburg was a miracle. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. the way Grant fought in the West was just, uh, you know, otherworldly. And I'm glad that they, I, I, one thing I was really happy with was the way they presented Shiloh because it was as gory mm. and violent of a battle as we've ever seen in the history of this country. Yeah, it certainly had to have been. And, you know, subsequently I've gone and I've read about some of those uh, some of those battles that you're referencing. I thought it was well done, Doc. I thought the History Channel... Now, that's is this new to them to do this type of thing? We'll get to sports in a minute. I mean, we're not missing anything, <laughs> after all. Um, but, well, is this somewhat new to... You know, put up my hand. I'm somewhat, you know, not a, not a real a guy that spends a lot of time on the History Channel normally. Uh, but have they done this in the past? And what have I missed? <laughs> They've had a lot of really good uh, 
documentaries and miniseries. We just haven't seen it for a while. And, and I think you're probably second in line there with uh, Senator Grassley in complaining about the History Channel. Uh, he does that frequently because you see a lot of shows like Ancient Aliens, and, and it, it's really kind of low-hanging fruit for them. And I think this is where they are at their best, and, and a lot of times they ignore it. There is, there is so much uh, tremendous uh, you know, power that they can have with this documentary. To me, the best one that they ever did, especially when it came to the Civil War, was on uh, April 1865, the month that changed America. And it was a two, two-hour documentary on just how incredible that whole month was from, you know, the, the surrender at Appomattox mm-hmm. to Lincoln's assassination to just how instrumental Robert E. Lee was in shutting down the war and not necessarily going into a guerrilla war. Yeah. I think that was really a well-done documentary, and that's something I would suggest. And I, I really think this is a, that when they're at their best. When they do mm. stories like this, if they were to do one on Patton, for instance, or other you know military leaders, I think that's something that this country needs right now. Yeah, I'm with you, Doc. I thought it was terrific, and I will go watch that piece. And you're right about Robert E. Lee. And, you know, yeah, he stood for a whole lot of bad stuff, and there's, n- there's no denying that. But he... Um he could have made. He could have prolonged this uh, the carnage. I don't think there's any question about that. And surrendered, and got to give Grant the, the because he wrote terms of surrender uh, that would make it uh, more likely that that surrender would take place and would stick, and it did. So let's get the sports, Trent. I know you're looking at me like you're keep going. Uh, fire away. <laughs> All right, Doc. Well, uh, as we get into it, a look back at last week, Gary Barta, part of a Zoom conference with you guys. Going through getting players back on campus, what that's going to look like, it's not going to be normal. It's not going to be what it was a year ago. That certainly is changed. But normalcy, as it pertains to athletics in the University of Iowa, how different do you think it's going to look when they get back here in, a, what, a week? Well, vastly different. I mean, it's gonna it's a different world. It's not the same world that they left three months ago. And, and so I think you're going to see, you know, just, Everybody kind of stepping back. It's, it's kind of like if you were to leave your house and then return three months later, and you know, it's kind of like, okay, wow, this is different. Um, and and really, you know, with voluntary workouts starting next week, you're going to see a lot of players that can't wait to get back. That have, a lot of them have been in Iowa City or gathered there in the last uh, couple of weeks. And I think you're going to see a, a real surge of the number of players who really want to compete and, and, and do this. And, you know, and talking to a few players here and there, it, their biggest concern is just making sure that everybody spent their time wisely during the, you know, the, during the quarantine, uh, working out, doing what it takes to win, because they know that, you know, they can do everything, but if their, you know, fellow teammate doesn't, then that's going to cost them games. So, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a really spirited group of workouts. It's probably going to take a long time. I'm anxious to talk to Chris Doyle at some point this mm, summer yeah. to find out, uh, you know, you're starting at 5 a.m. and going until 9 at night, uh, you know, in the smaller groups. But, you know, I, I think once everything everybody gets going next Monday, it's going to be uh, well received. So you think that's how it will be done, Doc, that there will be a whole, you know, there'll be your, your group A and group A is – I'll just say eight to ten, and then Group B is ten thirty to twelve thirty. So the the two groups don't cross paths. Is that how do you think that most of these uh, schools will handle this in the beginning? Have you seen anything along those lines? Uh, it hasn't been officially, you know, set yet. That's the that you know everything is still really vague. Um, you know, I mean, they they were still trying to finalize plans as to how many people they could have per square foot 
on Thursday and Friday. So I'm sure that's still going to be discussed this week. But I can imagine that they'll either have them in different groups, they won't be in the same part of the building. Potentially there might be, you know, a, a similar amount of players at the same time. They'll just be divided more. Maybe perhaps it's as, as simple as doing conditioning first before you lift. I don't, you know, that, that really, I think Doyle is going to be the best person to talk to about all that. But but it's, it's going to be divided differently than that they've ever been used to, no doubt about it. Doc, you're, of course, the beat writer for Iowa football, but... You, from time to time, write an article on Iowa State. You take different angles, and you look at what Gary Barda and he's been talking about in comparison to Jamie Pollard. I don't want to say polar opposites, but certainly a different direction. Barda, much more open and talking about getting as many people maybe in there by September as possible inside of Kinnick Stadium, where Jamie Pollard has maintained 50% capacity is what they're looking at. Just from your view and knowing the two universities and the athletic departments like you do, just the two different ways that the athletic directors are going and going through this. It is really interesting to see this because, you know, <laughs> if you were to describe their personalities, it would probably be the flip. I mean, Jamie is, is usually yeah. pretty aggressive. And he's got, um, and he'll push things, and we can track kind of when he needs to. Whereas Gary Barta is generally more conservative, and then you know will uh, only go forward in a lot of cases when he needs to. Uh, they're kind of the flip now, and you know one thing I've learned over the years. I mean, they both have been in their positions. They're two of the right. ten longest serving ads in the country. Is uh, you know Jamie Pollard's got the pulse of. His university and the way things go better than just about anybody I've ever been around. So if he thinks that this is going to be the case, I, I don't. I'm not really going to disagree with him. You know, I might look at other alternatives, but if Jamie Pollard thinks that there's going to be 50 percent of the people at, at these stadiums, I'm probably going to agree with him. Uh, but Gary Bart is doing the right thing and pushing forward because in you know what he's trying to do is limit himself in case you know okay they they come out and say you can only have 35,000 at each at each stadium. Well, if they've sold 45,000 tickets, they can figure out ways to trim it. And maybe it's, maybe it's 50,000 uh, or 50% and, you know, a ballpark percentage, not a hard percentage. So, I don't know that either one of them is wrong. I think it's kind of interesting that they've taken these positions. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, again, I tell you what, with, with Pollard over the years, whether you're an Iowa fan and you don't like him because of who he, he works for, there's really nobody that I've known that's uh, more on top of issues than him. He's done a terrific job, uh, Doc. You can't, you can't knock him. Um, I'm, I'm with you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic uh, is our guest. Doc, I know that uh, Barta also, obviously, the uh, the chair of the College Football Playoff Committee, uh, and they're planning on meeting. Does that Did it, um, I guess, uh, spiral any further than the playoffs, the conversation? Were Bulls brought up as, at, at all? Does, does Barta... Or was he asked about the the entire bowl landscape? Because I'm, I mean, I hope it happens, Doc. I really, truly do. Who doesn't want that, right? Uh, did Did he mention the bowls other than the college football playoff? No, there wasn't any discussion about the bowls. You know, because it was just it was pretty narrow. I mean, we had I guess I should say it was we had like forty some odd participants in a very kind of a short period of time. It was an hour, but it felt like a short hour. A lot to get to. Um, there were some national writers who really wanted to discuss, you know, whether it was meant, what it meant for the Big Ten, what it meant for the college football playoff. 
so we didn't really get to bowls. But I, I do think out of all the aspects of college football, that's probably the most vulnerable for this year. Is uh, And it may be perhaps that they're still going to do the, the college football playoff, uh, probably the upper-level bowls. But, you know, what I saw at the, at the Holiday Bowl or the Pinstripe Bowl and some other bowls that, you know, frankly just aren't that well attended or – are limited in attendance. I can't imagine a bunch of Iowa fans saying, "Yeah, we're going to go to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte this year <laughs> if they go eight and four. Yeah. Uh, same thing with you know Iowa State and you know whether it's you know Liberty or Arizona. Yeah, exactly, the Liberty Bowl. So I, I think it might be a tough year for a lot of those mid, mid to lower level bowls. I really do. You know, kind of hand-in-hand with that, something I, I heard you and Mark bring up last week on the On Iowa podcast is maybe finding some kind of exhibition where conferences get together and make it a one-off type of game, do something like that, a made-for-TV event, because we're talking about money, and we're still talking about the, yeah. the ramifications there. Maybe it is something more regionalized, and you put a game in St. Louis and a Big Ten and Big 12 team that plays their drivable distances, doing something like that putting something up at U.S. Bank and, and bringing, I don't know, Washington in to play the Gophers. Whatever it may be, there might be a better system. And in the end, this might be, I don't want to say the death knell to, to the bowl system, but certainly bring some change that could be happening of what we've seen with the 43 bowl games currently. And it probably needs to happen. I think what we've seen over the years is for mid-level bowls that they're better attended when fans can drive. Yeah. And we saw that with Iowa mm-hmm. State multiple times at the Liberty Bowl. But, yeah, it's a long drive, but it's a doable drive. You can do it, and I yep. think it, when, when you have a, a couple, you know, a stadium like St. Louis, I, that one I've always been a, a fan of, that you could, you could combine the Big Ten West and even some other schools in the East. You could combine SEC West and Missouri's actually in the East. Never the Big 12, you could do some sort of, you know, if you're – I really thought about it during the pinstripe bowl year. Because there was only a couple thousand Iowa fans that went. It was cold. It was miserable. And, uh, you know, and I thought, wow, you know, if they had a bowl like this in St. Louis, mm-hmm. a 7-5 and five Iowa team, people would attend. And, and if they were playing a, a Missouri or an Oklahoma State, or, you know, same thing with Iowa State. If they were playing Illinois or Purdue or, right. or Arkansas, you know, that's what people would want to see. I don't think anybody wants to fly to New York uh, to, to, to sit outside and freeze like that. And then, you look at some of the kind of legacy spots, Shreveport and El Paso, and I mean they're just not special. They're not, not the way they were. So I, I do think that there needs to be some sort of reevaluation of the bowl system, especially at the mid to lower level. They just, you know, some of the spots that traditionally have bowl games really need to be reevaluated as to whether or not they they can do this in the future. Yeah, and this year would be a perfect opportunity, Doc. A bowl in Indianapolis with a lid over it. A bowl in the Twin yeah. Cities with a lid. You mentioned St. Louis. You're 100% right. Why there isn't a game, you know, a Big Ten, Big 12 crossover. And I'll use your Oklahoma State, Iowa. Okay. In. In, right? Yeah. Uh, five hours from Des Moines. It's how far from Iowa City? Is it four. three? Th- four and a half? Four? It's oh, three and a half? Three and a half. Yeah. Four, yeah. So um, uh, you're right on as always, Scott Darkerman. Thank you for allowing me to pick your brain on the Grant uh, mini-series uh, that ended last <laughs> week on the History Channel, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Scott Darkerman. By the way, what's, uh, what's going on at The Athletic? We went all through this whole conversation. They've been terrific. All the, all the writers, that's where I turned to turn or click, I guess, in this case, to find out what's going on with the MLB strike with Rosenthal and the guys that uh, the baseball writers you have over there. But it's more than that. What have you got going on, Doc? Well, you know, this is uh, 
my vacation week. So I've got a whoops. I've got a story on <laughs> on right now on uh, the wide receiver. And well, I don't know if any of you guys listened to the Brian Ferentz interview we had on the On Iowa podcast, but it was one of the better ones that we've had. And and a lot of the discussion that we had with the wide receivers and and what kind of impact they had. And and so it's a kind of a deep dive into how Iowa went from, you know, barren to, to blossoming at that position group in a three-year period. Because last year, 169 catches among the wide receivers, that's the most, you know, tied for the most of any Iowa's ever had at that position group. So we've, uh, I've got that going today. And, and then there are a lot of other pieces uh, that I really recommend in light of everything going on in our society. Is uh, You know, there's a lot of different angles on our site right now. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic, and I believe the free trial is still ongoing. Is it not, Doc? Yeah, I think so. 30-day trial. I think it is. I'm aware of, yeah. Uh, good stuff, Scott. Thank you for allowing us to, uh, well, to impose on your vacation, at least for a few minutes. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Doc. All right. Thank you so much. Good Appreciate to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We'll take a time out, come back, finish up the hour. Uh, in hour number two, we're going to talk high school sports with our friend Rob Luther from the Baxter Bolts. He was to coach the uh, one of the squads in the Shrine Bowl. It's off. Baxter's playing baseball, aren't they? I would think so. Yeah, I think I saw Collins Maxwell had a one of the midnight practices. They did. Last yeah, night. they did it on the softball side. Of was things. it was Whitney Blakemore from WHO there? We know we know Whitney's mom. You we know do. You do right? Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that they had a midnight practice. That is, uh, what a cool idea! That the, was awesome. the way that came to fruition. I heard the yeah. coach on. He was on Murph and Andy, kind of right after that came out, and just. Hearing that, and how much fun! I mean, think back of that. Oh, yeah, Trent! Hockey practice yes. starts on October first for your high school team. It up in twelve oh one. Right. I wish it. we had high school hockey when I was a kid. We didn't. There was it now. all club hockey? It was all club hockey. Yeah. Now, that's high another school thing hockey. that's so bad. Like I, I knew uh, when I w- lived a summer in Italy and talking to them and just the way that you play high school sports, you play college sports. Yeah. It just right. Another thing that's just completely different that's, here in America. I tell you this story all the time. It's what's it's what for me, anyways. What one of the separators is the passion for college sport. College sports draws girlfriends and parents, right? Or boyfriends if it's a women's event, uh-huh. and parents and grandparents if they. That's it. There's no passion for college sports up there, but high school sports. No, I don't want to say they were non-existent because our school had a basketball team. Okay. But didn't even have a hockey team. No, there was no such thing. Yeah, now crazy. there is to wrap your mind around. Right, it drew, truly. I mean, Minnesota for crying out loud, state yes. of hockey. I, playing for your high school is about as good as it can get when you're a high school oh, kid, and, right? And I love watching those high school Minnesota State tournaments. They're fantastic. And the kids could show up in their mullets, their yeah. awful mustaches, <laughs> trying to grow facial hair. Trying. Oh, and it's just, it is awful. But the passion, I've told you this story up in Minneapolis years ago, probably 15 years ago for Iowa-Minnesota basketball game. And that night after the game, we're at the bar and we're trying to get some big college basketball game on the TV. And they looked at us like we had two heads. It was like... Hey, can you put the Duke Maryland game on? What are you talking about? We got two A hockey going yeah. on. But Mitchie's playing, <laughs> right? There's no way. Right. I'm sorry, we're not watching college hoops. You're watching high school hockey. Uh-uh. Well, how about that? No, it's Burnsville, <laughs> right? Uh, we'll take a time out. Finish the hour. Miller and Connor, thanks for being with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three. Required. More terms apply.
All right, welcome back to Learn Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Uh, there was, I don't know if some movement, there were proposals exchanged in Major League Baseball. The owners sent their proposal last week. The players countered. Uh, they want to play 114 games. I understand. Yeah. They get paid more more games, more money. A prorated 82 versus 114? Well, they're going to certainly go with that 114. But the owners, it sounds as though, Trent, that television contracts are up at the end of September. Oh, okay. I didn't see that piece. Of I, it. I think that was maybe part of one of the Rosenthal's. You know who else does it? Who's John Heyman with now? He's bounced around. He has, yeah. He was well, CBS for a number of yeah, years. Yeah, and then he was on the, the one that folded... What was the one? Oh, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Vox. What, what the hell was? Anyways, um, yeah. Apparently, television contracts are going to play a big role in. But the players want to play 114, start on June the 30th, and make it through October 31st, and then have the postseason. So we should save some time, maybe at the end of the program, to delve into because I mean, that's going to push the World Series back to Thanksgiving, which it was is. put on the table. I mean, it was put on the table at some point. You know, a month ago or so. One thing I was just salivating thinking about is NBA comes back. NHL came, comes back. We have baseball going on. Football is starting it's up. It's an just overload. <laughs> the smorgasbord. And then you're going to have things like the Derby and the Masters. Yeah, I forgot and just, about that. And, and all those one-off events that have been pushed yeah. back later into the calendar. It's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but all that TV time that I've given up here over the last couple of months... It's going to be time to pay it, put that ticket out and say, sorry, this is going to be a TV day. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. My, my fear is Game 7, NHL, Stanley Cup, Jets versus uh, fill in the blank from the East. 7 o'clock, puck drop. Same time as Cyhawk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, decisions, decisions. That is a tough one. All right, we'll come back. Rob Luther, we're going to talk some high school baseball, high school sports with Rob. And then uh, Ben Kirchival in the Big 12, about 11.25. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's the Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.